God bless you, and welcome to Yesterday Ended, Healing the Traumas of Life. I'm your host, Dennis Dobbin. Thank you for listening today. I pray that the words that you hear this day will bring you closer to God and farther away from the traumas of your life. Have you ever needed a hug? Most women will quickly respond to needing a hug. There are some overly masculine men who will deny that they ever need a hug, but they're lying to themselves and others. There are times when we all need a hug. Loneliness or the pressures of life endeavor to enclose us and separate us. But there's something about a friendly embrace that heals all that. I'm not talking about a romantic embrace, but the embrace between family members and close friends. I believe that God has created us to live in a family, for his most common name in the New Testament is Father. In a loving family, there are hugs and kisses. Remember, God created us in his image, so it all began with him. If you need to be reminded that God loves you and wants to give you a hug, give a listen. Many years ago, back home in Kansas, I worked for a small remodeling company. We had been working on an old house, patching holes in the walls and stripping ancient wallpaper, painting and refinishing the floors. Towards the end of the job, I was downstairs doing touch-up while one of the business owner's sister was upstairs cleaning. I heard her walk down the steps, into the foyer, and then to the entrance of the living room where I was working. She had a forlorn look upon her face. She looked at me and said, I need a hug. She was a good friend, so I gladly gave her the hug she needed. There are days when we all need a bit of reassurance that we are loved, and being embraced by a family member or friend does just that. It is in the moments before an embrace, where we are lonely and feel separated, that fear can cause us to be anxious. Am I worthy of being hugged? Do they really love me? We must remember God's incredible love for us. As the forgiving father looked for his prodigal son to return, upon seeing his approach, he ran to him. An undignified action for an older person in that culture. Realize that the prodigal son is coming from working on a pig farm. He was poor. And most likely, he is in old, dirty clothes. And yet the scripture says the father fell upon his neck, which is a way of saying he took him up in a deep embrace. He hung on his neck is a graphic way to think about it. This is God's reaction to us when we turn back to him, when we have been away for a while. Imagine how he reacts when we have been faithful. Think about the moment of his embrace. They enter the room, that loved one, that owner of our hearts. The air vibrates with their presence. We stand up tall as they approach. The hair on our arms tingles. There is a shift in our loved one's posture as they approach. Their arms begin to rise up for an embrace. Smiles become our faces. In heart and mind, is the anticipation of the embrace. And we embrace. For each of us, our space has been invaded by the other, and we are joyful. 
in this moment, in this embrace, is the demonstration of our love one for another. Our arms draped about each other, our bodies pressed together. We feel the presence of each other. There is the touch. There is the weight of their presence. Thus it is as we enter into the presence of God our Father. In this moment, we have boldness, knowing we are his beloved. In this moment, we have full entrance, washed by the Lamb. In the Spirit, in the realm beyond flesh and blood, we stand before his face, and we embrace. We feel his presence, the weight of his glory. Smiles become our faces. In numerous places throughout the New Testament, it describes the proper behavior that is to be demonstrated between the believers. It is first spoken of in Romans chapter 16, verse 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. The word salute is used at the beginning and end of the verse. The first is used in the situation between two individuals. The second indicates the attitude of a group of people towards an individual. In the King James, the word used is salute. In other translations, it is rendered greet. The meaning in the first century culture was to embrace and possibly kiss. There are many countries in Europe and the Middle East that still practice such a greeting. Unfortunately, in America and other deeply westernized countries, the practice of showing such affection has been killed by Puritan attitudes. Consider the repetition of this word used in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 19 and 20. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet ye one another with a holy kiss. The word salute in verse 19 and the word greet in verse 20 are actually the same word in the Greek. Don't ask me why the translators didn't keep things the same. But the truth rendered in these two verses show that a showing of affection was standard practice. Greetings in the Jewish culture were very important so much so that they were lengthy and time-consuming. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he actually warned them against wasting time. We see this in Luke chapter 10, verse 4. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. At this point, Jesus wanted them out ministering to people and spreading the gospel and showing forth the power of God, not spending time in Jewish tradition. The image I am endeavoring to build is that intimacy and closeness had become a part of culture. Remember, we are made in God's image. We love because he first loved us. Consider this truth in Psalm 149, verse 4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. God not only loves you, he takes pleasure in your presence. He loves it when we show up to hang out with him. He designed us so that we could have fellowship. Remember what it says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3? That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. 
And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel is spoken so that we may have fellowship with the Father and His Son. This is all a family affair. And I want you to realize how much God loves you and longs to embrace you. You are worthy of his love. You are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased and that has nothing to do with your performance. God rejoices in our relationship with him as children. Your identity in Christ is established through the grace of God. The riches of your salvation, which is a podcast for another day, are all established as a work of Jesus. It is through his sacrifice that we can approach the Father. You have been judged in Christ. You have been made righteous and made to sit at the Father's right hand. Those are gifts from the Father through Jesus. When you recognize who you are, your performance will match the identification you have in Christ. The old man was crucified, died, and was buried, but you were quickened and raised and seated. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, you have been made, accepted in Christ, who is the beloved. You were made acceptable. It wasn't anything you did to make yourself worthy. So get over your bad self and rejoice in who Christ has made you. Two verses before that, we are shown how far back the Lord has been contemplating fellowship with you. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The Lord chose you before the foundation of the world. God has had a plan for you for a long time. Have you ever gotten a card in the mail from a friend, and all it says is that simple phrase, I'm thinking of you. God wrote that card way back, and it's recorded in Psalms chapter 8, verse 4, where the psalmist asked the question, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? The answer is, we are his children, his beloved children, in whom he is well pleased because of the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why he thinks about us. If it's true what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, that he chose us before the foundation of the earth, God's been mindful of us for a long time. Stop and think about it. Before he created the universe with the trillions of billions of stars and masses of galaxies and nebula and a whole bunch of other stuff, he thought of you. He put all of this into motion so that you could be here on earth and breathe the air he made for you so you could have fellowship with him. Let's look at John chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. It tells us here that true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it tells us that the Father seeks such people to worship him. That last phrase has slipped by me for many years. I had always emphasized the aspect of worship from verses 23 and 24. But the truth contained in that last verse is that the Father seeks 
worshipers, not their worship. A true worshiper has surrendered his heart to the Father and therefore will worship him. We worship out of the love for the Father. A true worshiper is one who is engaged in fellowship with the Father. In this, the Father rejoices. God's intent has always been to do good for his people. Look at Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. The last phrase of this verse says he will joy over thee with singing. This word joy means to spin round under the influence of any violent emotion. That has caused many people to understand this verse, that he dances over us with singing. He spins around with us in his embrace. I really think God likes you. Imagine a loving father who has waited for the birth of his child for many years. Imagine the joy in his heart as he holds his child for the first time. He cannot contain himself for the joy that bubbles in his heart and body. His body must react to expend the energy contained in his joy, and he dances. Will you come into the presence of the Father this day and come into his embrace and dance with him? He is waiting for you now. Do you know who you are? Do you know yourself as his beloved? Do you know you were made acceptable? Do you know nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ? Take time daily to confess that you are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. Take time daily to confess that you are accepted in Christ. Take time daily to confess that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Take time daily to dance with your Father as he sinks over you, rejoicing that you are his child. Repeat this over yourself. I am accepted, not rejected. I am embraced, not shunned. I am desired, not scorned. I am exalted, not discarded. I am love.